The Bedroom Producing Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. Welcome to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. If you're a bedroom producer and you want to release tracks, perfect your workflow, or explore a new creative process, then this is the podcast for you. Today's guest is Brazilian heavy metal artist Ator Silva. Ator and I will discuss integrating the DAW into the creative process for heavy music, and also how Ator was able to leverage his professional network to land a gig composing for a cyberpunk video game. Ator, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chip. It's good to be here. Thanks for making the time to talk with me, man. Would you be so kind as to just give us a quick synopsis of what your background is with music? Yes, sure. So right now I'm 32 years old and I started playing acoustic guitar when I was 12. One year later, I bought my first electric guitar and I'm a heavy metal fan. So from there until now, what I did was to participate in metal bands and record some stuff. I did some very small shows. I really liked music. I tried to be a professional in music for a very short time, but I ended up being professionally a software engineer. So I am a software engineer that loves music a lot. And because right now I'm living in Germany, I thought about maybe doing a transition or trying to go professional into music. So in the beginning of 2020, I subscribed to a music school in London. I'm doing a music production training online with Point Blank. Mm-hmm. And from there until now, I learned a lot of stuff. And I'm trying to position myself as a music producer for the heavy metal bands or for the heavy musicians that we have around the world. Very cool, man. Very cool. So you started off as a heavy metal guitar player, played in some bands, yeah, and then got involved with Point Blank and started learning all the music production side of things. Very cool. Exactly. So do you see the music production side of things with the DAW? Do you see that mostly as just a tool for mixing and mastering, or do you see that as a tool for creativity as well? To me, it's also for creativity, for composing, because... You have a lot of plugins available in the DAW Mm -hmm. for you. Some stock, some that you buy yourself. And sometimes they come with some presets already done for you that are very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they come with loops for you also that you can use to spark a idea and to start some creativity flowing. So I personally use the DAW also to compose not just to record or to mix and master. Yeah, yeah. What do you think is the ideal fusion of metal and the computer? What does that look like? Uh, Interesting question. So everything in the metal community goes around computers, I, I would say. There's a lot of technology for people that are playing guitar and bass Mm -hmm. and are playing in heavy metal or any sort of metal band. For example, there is a company called Nero DSP, and they're really breaking through with their technology for the heavy metal market. 
like they're doing good plugins and, and good hardware focused on this niche, focused on heavy metal players that need good things and don't, don't have the means or the space to have the, the real amplifiers or the real cabinets and real microphones, but they just have a small laptop and a small interface. They can buy the plugins or the hardware and have more or less the same sound as the big artists. Very cool. And there's a lot of other companies that are into this market as well, like IK Multimedia or um, Positive Greed. They are doing a bunch of cool software to support people into heavy music and going into a full record without having to have fancy equipment. It's really nice. That's very cool, man. That's very cool. Yeah, there's... It's just that whole concept of, you know, what used to be the entire mixing studio 20, 30 years ago. Now you're compacting this more to the computer. And I think the cool thing about that is it gives independent artists a lot more of an opportunity to to share their voice with the world. You know, that's that's kind of the thing that interests me about, you know, so many people being able to make music on the computer. On the one hand, I understand some, some people will say, well, there's just so much out there. But, you know, music, it's an art. It's a fine art, right? And if more people can share their voice, I mean, that's cool to me. More people being able to tell, you know, your story, your individual story. And it sounds like the, the tools that you're talking about kind of help give that voice to other people that are starting out. Yep. Do you think the the heavy metal movement is is pretty strong in brazil currently what's what's the scene no, like there unfortunately no no uh, no i don't don't see my country as strong into metal people in my country they like some specific genres of music and mm -hmm. some of those genres are very specific to brazil and some artists we have, they, they do some success outside of Brazil with those kind of music, but metal is not the number one choice of the majority of Brazilians. Like, I have a joke <laughs> that when I go to a barbecue, usually I'm the only person not allowed to choose the music. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. So, so you don't have any heavy metal sambas going on then? No, no, no. Uh, you can, if you would like to research some different things that are two metal bands from Brazil that are very good. Yeah. One is more or less world famous. The other one, maybe not so much. The first one is called Angra. They're very, very famous, especially in Japan. Mm -hmm. And there is a album they recorded a long time ago called Holy Land. And this album makes a lot of Brazilian rhythms with heavy metal. Cool. It's a very, very interesting thing to listen. And the other band that it's very nice, but not so famous is called Vitalism. And it's a gent band. It, it's kind of like a new genre inside metal. And they also mix sometimes um, the Brazilian funk that is very different than the American funk, cool. but they mix a little bit the, the Brazilian funk and some of the Brazilian rhythms with gent. And it's two very interesting bands to know, Brazilian bands to know, because if you take Sepultura, they do have 
some Brazilian rhythms, but not as much as Angra or Vitalism. Yeah. And it's worth checking out to, to see mixtures. Yeah. No, thank you so much for sharing that with me. I mean, I think anytime you can see those kind of fusions, that's just fascinating to me. I love seeing these kind of genre bending fusions of different world music. You know, talking about those bands, can you tell me a little bit about some of the artists who have inspired you on your journey? That's easy. When I was uh, young, when I was around like 10, 12, my biggest influence was Iron Maiden. Yeah. And uh, right after <laughs> knowing them, I went into some more heavy things and also um, some of the solo guitarists like Joe Satriani or Steve Vai. And I, I was kind of dancing between heavy metal and prog metal and those Mm. Uh, guitarists that are very good. So those guys were my first influences. But as I grew older, I was going into more heavy things. So then I started knowing some European bands. For example, Opeth is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of their career, they were doing death metal. But right now, I would say they do more like a prog rock, not, not metal anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was also knowing some other things from Europe, like Arch Enemy or uh, Halloween and other European bands. As I grew older, I got into more heavy things. But my first influences were those, those old guys yeah. and Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was a huge Metallica fan growing up. You know, looking at some of those pretty straight metal bands, they're a, they're a live band, you know, and now looking at all these tools that you have in the computer, do you see opportunities to develop hybrid sounds between like electronic genres and metal or is that something that's not appealing to you definitely actually uh when you talk about mixing electronic music with metal the first reference that comes to my mind is a band called core they're from the u.s mm -hmm. and uh, a while ago they did a, a full album with skrillex that does dubstep right and it's a very interesting mixture between dubstep and metal. And more and more bands are kind of doing some adventures into putting world music or electronic music into metal and make that interesting. So I really believe the, the mixtures will just enrich the genre yeah. instead of it shouldn't happen actually. Uh, I get happy when I see bands experimenting with different things because, as I said, like in Brazil, at least metal is not a mainstream thing. And having the metal community mixed, mixing different genres, different styles, rhythms with metal could make metal go back into mainstream. Because mm -hmm. I, I have the sensation that around the 80s, metal was a mainstream thing yeah but never again <laughs> everybody had their leather jackets and you know yeah studded everything <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. know i was i was a tiny little kid at the time <laughs> <laughs> but i guess that's how it was <laughs> yeah um 
Oh man. So yeah, no, that's super cool. You know, I think about well, you mentioned dubstep as one genre, right? That that you know, Corn did that album with with Skrillex. I've never listened to that. I need to check that out. But so other things that I think of uh, as I think about fusions of really heavy music with electronic music, I would think that drum and bass, you can definitely have some pretty heavy hitting drum and bass tracks. Um, and then the other thing I think about is just like industrial music, you know, think about something like Nine Inch Nails, for instance. And, you know, he, that guy had been working on synthesizers and everything since forever. The funny thing is, you know, he's probably doing a lot more with synthesizers than an actual computer. Uh, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's definitely a, a sound that's that heavy kind of sound that's very driven by synths and tools that we may have available to us in the DAW. Yeah, and uh, since you went to industrial, and I am in Germany, Helmstein is probably the first reference a lot of people will do on heavy music and electronic music, because they started a long, long time ago, and there's a lot of synthesizers into Helmstein music. And is another reference I can think of in the metal community is Slipknot. Also mm -hmm. from the US, mm -hmm. like they have a DJ inside the bed. It's one of the guys on stage playing stuff with them live every show. So they also started a long time ago, like putting electronic elements into music. And another example we can think of that started a long time ago is Linkin Park. Mm -hmm. They also had a DJ inside the band, like mixing some. Uh, hip hop and electronic stuff into heavy music. Yeah. Even though they were not a metal band, but it was. It's pretty heavy, than, pretty heavy yeah. rock. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's great, man. I had no idea that Slipknot had a DJ in their band, but yeah. that to me fascinates me, right? The idea, you know, I was a drummer, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea of uh, just having that person who's kind of running electronics and samples and different things as kind of a, a a rhythmic element in the band or adding some special effects to a live band. And it's, it's particularly interesting when you bring it up about Slipknot, because that's not something in my brain where I would have automatically thought of them as like having an electronic component. You know, I'd have to go back and like, listen to the music. Mm -hmm. Now I don't listen to Slipknot a whole heck of a lot in my spare time, but I'd have, I have listened to them and I'd have to go back and listen to them and see if I can pick out some of the elements where that, that DJ is contributing to. And now I kind of want to do that. Cause that's, you know, that's a cool setup. You know, it's it, a different way of listening to stuff. Yeah. I can't help, but wonder if we'll continue to see more and more of this live band slash DJ kind of band setup. you know, moving forward. I, I had a very interesting experience once when I was in Brazil. Uh, there was a rave or rave. I don't know how to pronounce. Rave, yes, yeah. Uh, there was a trio, and if I'm not mistaken, they are from Israel, and it's called Sesto Cento. It's electronic music. It's very good music, but it was an interesting experience because during the the rave, uh, when they were playing, one of the guys was with a guitar connected to some stuff. And two of the guys were DJing, doing 
things live with all the, the pickups and the synthesizers. But the third guy was playing guitar live while the other two were like DJing and building That's cool. up the electronics. That's awesome. And I said, what the f is this? Who, who <laughs> the hell are these guys? This is amazing. <laughs> this is amazing. It, it was a really good experience. Really, really good experience. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that. I don't know if they still do this kind of thing, but this happened around 2010, I guess, like a long time ago. So I, I don't know if they still do this, but it was very interesting. Very interesting to see. Super cool, man. Well, hey, let's talk a little bit about uh, composition and, and creative process. Yes. So first of all, what, what kind of things, what inspires you to start writing a new composition? Uh, in my case, usually when I'm taking a bath or when I'm walking with my dog, I have some ideas. <laughs> and if those ideas, they, they don't go out of my head for a while, then I sit down to experiment with the ideas. Uh, usually it's melodies. I don't start music with harmonies. I usually have a melody in my head. And from the melody, I start to build up whatever I need around the melody. So I then start to play either with my acoustic guitar or one of the electric guitars or with the keyboard. And if I find something that works, then I record and then I start building up on uh, this idea. I had like walking or taking a bath. Usually it's like that. It's not something that I force myself to now is the moment of sitting down and composing. Yeah. But then uh, I, I know if I want to be a composer only, or if I want to make this work and have a, a flow production, I should force myself to sit down and compose. I don't do this yet because I'm more into studying everything I need to make a good production. But I'm thinking about writing down, for example, a album about 2020 and my personal experience during 2020. And I started something, I have like a, a intro that is kind of like classical. It's a bunch of violins and cellos and stuff happening to then maybe build up on the metal. But everything started with a melody that was in my head and stick to my head like for a week or something. I said, maybe this is a good one to, to build up upon. Cool. And this is how I start stuff. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Do you often, when you get into the DAW, do you start by recording things on the guitar or do you do, a, do something different? Well, either I record with a guitar, clean signal, no distorted sounds or whatever, because then mm -hmm. I can reamp and choose how the guitar will sound later. Mm -hmm. Or... I do MIDI, but then I do MIDI with my keyboard. I have mm -hmm. I have two keyboards, one very small, but it's the Roly Seaboard. It's like a four-dimension, five-dimension keyboard because you can uh, do a pitch, you can do slide and press and stuff like this, and it reacts to that. But I also have a Studio Logic, a big keyboard, uh, SL Grand. It's kind of like a piano. It's a MIDI controller, but with a keypad very close to a piano. And then I have the piano feel into my hands. 
So I try to play with these three things, either my guitar or one of these two keyboards, and then I put sounds and see where I go with the ideas. That's the process. Very cool. So you mentioned the idea of being able to reamp your clean guitar signal. Mm -hmm. So you like to use the in-the-computer amplifiers to change the timbre of the sound then. Yes, yes. And that's probably a rather freeing concept coming from you know, a world where you, you, if you're just playing the guitar on an amp and then your, your signal's set and you really can't change it after the fact from your, when you've recorded it. Can you tell me about what are some of the different kinds of plugins or if you have any go-to kind of setups, things like that you like to use to get that heavy sound in the DAW? Yes, I have two major choices. When I'm composing, I go for the bias effects that is made by Positive Grid. And bias effects is very nerdy because you can choose the preamp, the power amp, the valves, the microphones. You can choose a bunch of stuff. You can be very, very geeky into mm -hmm. building your tone. But even though you can be very geeky, the outcome in the end, depending on how good you are, is not very realistic. So when I'm transitioning to let me do the final recording and like commit to the sound and have this as a, the final sound, then I go for the Neuro DSP plugins because they are very, very, very close to real amps. Cool. The sound and the behavior that you get, it's very close for the real amps. And then you can make a real heavy metal record without having any kind of amps. Very cool, man. And and just for for the guitar players out there, what kind of guitar do you like to use when you're recording? Ha, ah, depends. I have um, seven guitars right now. <laughs> and they're all different with different characteristics and uh, different woods and so on. But my favorite to record is a solar guitar. And it's my favorite because the guitar comes with a bridge called Evertune. And this bridge is a German project, if I'm not mistaken. And they made one spring per, uh, one spring per string. So instead of having a full block with every string on the block and springs holding the block, they have one spring per uh, string. And that makes the guitar to be in tune always. Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter differences on temperature, doesn't matter anything you do with the guitar, the guitar will always be in tune. And this for recording, it's gold. Like there's no value into having your guitar always in tune. Doesn't matter what you do. And like you can configure the guitar even to uh, bending, not working. If you bend the strings, they still keep in tune. It's really crazy. Like you can push as hard as you, you want the string and it will be always in tune. So this one to record, it's my favorite. But I also have um, two guitars with seven strings and 
when I was playing in Brazil, I was participating in bands that were doing covers of uh, a band called Epica. They are from Netherlands and they mix classical music with metal. People call this like symphonic metal. So oh, mm -hmm. that kind of sound usually is with lower tunings and lower tunings, usually people go for seven strings. So I have two, two sets of seven strings, one in the regular seven strings tuning, one tuned one step lower. And all the other guitars, then they have different tunings because I like to play different stuff. Like for playing Iron, Man, Iron Maiden, I would use one guitar. For playing Lamb of God, I would use another guitar. And mainly because the tunings are different. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Iron Maiden. Yeah. What was it? It was the Megadeth guy in the Metall in Metallica, wasn't it? You're, you're yes. an Iron Maiden fan, not a Megadeth fan. Or you like both of them? I also like Megadeth, but it was not one of my first influences. And the story is with Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Yeah, yeah, Dave Mustaine. That was the guitarist in Metallica in the beginning, but yeah. didn't work out. Then he left. Kirk Hammett joined Metallica and yeah. he's there till this day. Are you a Kirk Hammett fan? Not much. Not no. much? <laughs> no. Who's, who's, your, who's your favorite guitarist, if you had to pick one? John Petrucci from Dream Theater. Cool, man. Would be yeah. My favorite. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Awesome guitar recommendations, man. Appreciate that. So I want to talk a little bit about a project that you've been involved in is that you've been doing some video game soundtrack music. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into that and what, what your experience has been like with that? Sure. I have a friend that we worked together around 2005, if I'm not mistaken. And this friend moved to Japan. After some, some years, he moved to Japan. In Japan, he was a Japanese teacher, but he also was an independent developer. So he opened a, a company in Japan to be an independent game developer. And he did some projects there. And in the end of 2020, he came back to Brazil. When he came back to Brazil, he was looking for a software developer, a software engineer, to support him building a fighting game. And he came to me asking if I was interested in being a software developer on the game, not a musician on the game. He didn't know I was studying music production and, and anything. And I, my experience in software engineering is more towards web development, not game development. Mm. And what I told him was like, well, I have 10 plus years of experience with software engineering but not with game development. I don't think I will be very helpful on the software development part, but maybe I could help you on the music or, uh, I don't know, like sound effects and, and so on. And we started talking about that and what he had and what did he didn't have. There is a guy also working on the music part of this game. He's from Spain. Uh, his name is Alfonso. 
I think his artist name is El Baiken or something kind of in this direction. So he was already composing some things for the game, but then I joined the, the project and we divided like some soundtracks, some music of the soundtrack I would compose and record and do the production. Some music, it would be Alfonso doing uh, the compositions and some of the recordings, and then I would mix and master. Like the, the mixing and mastering of everything that will happen in the game will be me. Some of the, the songs uh, will be my composition, but the majority of songs will be Alfonso composition. And then we will see also how we will do the voices and the sound effects. But then it's mainly like doing sound design for the game. And probably there I will also help a lot. Very cool. And that's, that's how it started. Nowadays, I'm also uh, involved in the software de development part of the game, not just the music anymore, because the game started in one technology and after the team experimented with the technology they didn't like and they decided to switch to another one. And the other technology they chose, I got interested and I said, well, that would be also very interesting to have experience with. So. Now I'm kind of both sides. I'm doing music and I'm also helping with the software development. That, that's cool, man. Is, so uh, do you know, do you have a potential release date for the video game? Not yet. It will be a long time. Like we think it will be a two year project because it's very ambitious and we're a few people doing everything alone. I think it will take a while, but the two songs I composed. Yeah. I have two previews in a website called Clipit. If you access my link tree, it's uh, linktree slash it's H Silva. There is a link there for the preview tracks. And if you click on that link, it goes to a website called Clipit. And I have my profile there. Also, it's H Silva. It's the name I use on all my socials. Mm -hmm. And you have a 40 second preview of the songs I composed. And there is one 40 second preview of one of the songs that Alfonso composed. So you can more or less have the vibe of the, the game. The game is a cyberpunk universe. So there's a lot of electronic music and heavy music mixed. Yes, yes, I've listened to it. You can absolutely hear that. And it, it's quite fitting for what would be a, a cyberpunk fighting video game. Yeah. It's really cool, man. Is there a working title for the game yet? It's Cyberflex. Cyberflight? Cyberflex. Oh, so Cyberflags. Cyberflags. Yeah. Got it. Very cool, man. Well, I got just a couple more questions I want to ask you here and we can start wrapping up. Can you tell me, suppose that you sit down at the DAW and you're working on a project and you've got like a pretty solid eight to 16 bars going, mm -hmm. kind of got this loop and you like how things sound, but now you're starting to feel kind of stuck. Mm -hmm. What might your thought process be for progressing the track from that point forward? Uh, when I was studying, I came across a page inside the point blank material that they mention a producer, if I'm not mistaken, this producer worked with YouTube back in the days. And this producer had a technique of having some cards, like 
paper cards mm -hmm. and every card had some weird thoughts in it like have you tried singing out of tune have you tried um i don't know like clapping outside of the tempo of the song and some crazy ideas in the the cards whenever you two was stuck on studio trying to compose stuff this producer would come to them and like pick a card from the set of cards mm -hmm. and maybe this card will help you get outside of the the comfort zone and progress into the composition so since i learned this happened i try to apply this to myself even though i don't have the set of cards uh, i know there are websites that kind of mimic this this set of card yeah but i try to apply the same principle like if i'm stuck right now what can i do different that maybe will put me out of my comfort zone and make me progress into the the loop is it I don't know, like clapping, is it trying a different instrument? Is it uh, stepping away from the DAW and I don't know, playing video game and then coming back? Yeah. Is it inviting someone to collaborate? Is it uh, changing the genre I'm trying to compose for? I don't know. I, I try to think outside of the box and see if this can take me out of the freezing. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Kind of take a step back. Think about something, shift your algorithm and come back to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very cool, man. Do you have any uh, favorite books, YouTube channels or classes, anything that you would recommend for our listeners? For the heavy metal community, YouTube channel, there is a artist called Ola England. He's from Sweden. He owns Solar Guitars and he also plays in The Haunted and uh, Feared. And he also has some solo material. His YouTube channel is really amazing for the metal community because the guy is like a super geek and knowledgeable into equipment. So if you want to nerd out on equipment for heavy music, his YouTube channel is amazing. Awesome. Rick Beato also is a great musician. I think he's from the US and his knowledge on music theory is amazing. His book about music theory is amazing. And also his YouTube channel is really, really good. So I also recommend that. And I think the most recent book I've read that I recommend a lot for anyone into music is how to, let me think, so I don't say it. The, the author is Ari Herstand. If I'm not mistaken, the book is how to make it in the new music business. Okay. Yeah. This book is amazing because it teaches you a bunch of things like from the uh, creation process to managing contracts, to promoting music, to registering music and collecting copyrights and, and stuff like the book is amazing. So uh, Ari Herstand, the, the author. He has a website and he also has a podcast beyond the book that he talks about all those kind of things. So I really recommend anyone into music or into the music industry to check out his material because if you're not the artist itself, maybe you're the manager of an artist or maybe you want to do your own record label or maybe you want to be just a promoter. I don't know. It could serve anyone into the music industry. So it's really, really good. Love it. 
You know, that reminds me, I wanted to ask you, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. In, that you do for the, the audience in Brazil, right? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Exactly. So I have a friend in Brazil. We played together a, a long time ago and we love music a lot. We talk about music a lot. This friend is a drummer and we decided to do this podcast together, talking about music and trying to give people the experience we are gaining by trying to switch from just a hobby to a professional thing. Mm -hmm. Like he likes to be a drummer and a session musician and like a, a live musician. I prefer more the, the production side of things like composing, recording, registering, selling, mixing, mastering, those kind of things. So we, we sit down together to talk about music, but also to teach people the things we are learning while we are transitioning to the professional world of music. So the podcast has a bunch of subjects, but we also plan to do some series. For example, one series we one series that we are running right now is about composition. So in the first episodes, for example, we spoke on theme, language, and motivation. What, what is the role when you are composing something? What is the role of each thing? What is the role of the theme? What is the role of the language? And what is the role of the motivation and how those things fit together and link to, together? to make you a better composer. Love it. And then we, we will go on on this series, but then it's like a passion. We get together, we talk for a long time, we record and we are releasing. It's in Brazilian Portuguese. We do think about maybe uh, translating to English and putting as a YouTube video with the subtitles or maybe just a website with the plain text. We don't know, but then we, we could make this available also for English speakers instead of just Brazilian or or Portuguese people. Yeah, very cool, man. No, that's very cool. Yeah, I was I was checking it out, but I haven't learned Portuguese yet. So <laughs> someday I would love to. Someday I would love to, and I will I nice, will visit nice. visit Brazil once I get that figured out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, hey, man, where can people find you and your music online? So I have. A Instagram profile, Facebook profile, Twitter profile, SoundCloud, and Clipit. All those social media. And I also have a YouTube, but I'm not putting videos there yet. I will start putting videos this year. But everything that I have online, you can find over my link tree. So you can go to linktr.ee slash it's H Silva. And all my social network, you can find with this nickname like it's h silva it's easy to, to find me cool awesome thanks man and we'll link that in the show notes too yeah thank you ator thanks so much for being here today and making the time to chat with me today thank you very much for the conversation chip it was a pleasure well, that was a great conversation with ator i love how he's able to pursue his passion in the context of his day job and through his network, find an opportunity. I think a lot of us can relate to trying to find that balance between work and our creative pursuits. Hopefully this continues to open up new opportunities for him. Always, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, 
please subscribe and feel free to hit me up on Twitter at producer chip. Also check out the website bedroomproducing.com for show notes with links to some of the different topics that we discussed. Till next time, my name is Chip and this is the Bedroom Producing Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Bedroom Producing Podcast. For more content like this, visit bedroomproducing.com.